Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. It's, uh, it's just the dudes. Yeah, yeah. Sausage party galore. Well, okay. Let's not get out of control here, okay? I mean, we're just recording on a late afternoon. Nothing's, pants are not coming off. Let's just make that really clear. My pants never went on today, Brian. Well, that's what you get when you work from home. Like, that's the freedom that that, that allows you. So <laughs> I do work from home quite a bit. That is very true. Touche, salesman. Um, salesman? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, it's from, it's, it's from Family Guy. <laughs> you don't remember when the guy tries to sell him volcano oh, insurance? Right, right. He's like, there's no volcano eruptions around here, but don't you think we're due for one? Ah, touche, salesman. <laughs> <laughs> and he was such a slime ball too, with a bright purple jacket. Um, Volcano insurance. Yeah, he always is selling something off. Right. Um, so, what have you seen lately? What movies have you actually been able to go see in a theater? Well, the last okay, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy two twice already, okay. and I saw it twice in four days, and before that. I saw Logan twice. See, what I do is, is I see a lot of the movies I love a few times, and then there's plenty of movies that I should probably see that I don't. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I saw Beauty and the Beast, Logan, uh, uh, and then Guardians of the Galaxy twice. That's Those are the last movies I've seen. And yet you still did not see Power Rangers. No, I didn't go see Power Rangers, Brian, because I did not like it nearly as much as you. You're obsessed with that movie. You went as the White Ranger and even got like the toy sword, the talking sword saga. Uh-huh. And when you saw the movie and you were like, meh, it was decent. I was like, well, if he just thinks it's decent, I'm probably going to think it's a big pile of fucking shit. So I didn't go see it. I'll wait till it comes out on VOD that I rob. Okay, so here's what for. I would like to do. I would like us to, one, talk about Logan a little bit, but we did talk a lot about that, that the last episode. Two. We talked about it a little. Yeah. Two, I'd like to talk about Power Rangers in a little more detail. Okay. And I'll just I'll just explain it to you since you don't care if it gets You explain it to me, and I will either A, make fun of you to your face, or B, I will go, ah, oh, oh, maybe I should have seen it. Yeah. We'll see how that turns out after this commercial break. Right. Are you a mutant? <laughs> Are you a mutant? <laughs> Do you have rheumatoid arthritis and your claws can't come out all the way anymore? Then you should try Mutisha. All... <laughs> yeah, that's how bad it is in the year 2024 when Logan set. The voice of <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey does all of the pharmaceutical commercials. <laughs> it's very jarring to the elderly crowd that watches those. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Brian Moriarty. And I'm Sean Moriarty, and Roxy and Gina couldn't be here. We swear to God that this isn't some masculine retaliation to the last episode. We are not. We killed the mammoth. That is for sure. So, in fact, we yeah, we were gonna say let's do another episode later, and they were like, why don't you guys do a MoBro show where you guys talk about something and then you you do feedback, and we're like, okay, yeah, that's and it worked out nicely, and I love that we're recording. At like 5 p.m. Uh, yeah, on a Monday. On a Monday. It's it's actually... The most soul-crushing of work days. Yeah, it's a little bit nice of a breather to have that. So, um, okay, so where do we start? So let's start with chronologically. How is that? Which movie came out first? I think Logan came out. Let's go Logan. Logan okay. Yeah, let's talk about okay. Logan. So I fucking loved it. It made me cry every time. I've watched it three times now, and it made me cry. And then I actually know it. 
it made me cry four times because the last time I watched it, I paused it at a certain part and rewound it because my wife left the room and I restarted it and she happened to leave right as I was crying. So then I cried again, (laughs) even though I just experienced the same scene 10 minutes before. Oh my God, dude, you have a problem. What? I cried. If you've, yeah, but if you stick with a character like Wolverine for 17 fucking years. Well, okay. Brian, 2000s when it came out. He started playing it in 2000. Fine, fine. But he also started, ended playing it in 2017 before the movie was made. So it's still 17 years. Fine, fine. I won't won't argue with you on that one. That's, That's fair. You win that one. So, okay. So, finally. Yeah, I mean, he's he's played the character the longest I think of any person playing a character next yes. to, like, uh, Kevin Conroy voicing Batman. I think that that's on that level. Yeah, well, for the amount of time, but the total amount of... Actually, and the total amount of performances are probably similar, but they've all been voice performances and no slight against a voice actor, but you can show up in sweatpants <laughs> if you want and be Batman. You don't... You, Every time Hugh Jackman has to play Wolverine, he's got to go on a fucking crazy ass diet and uh, and weightlifting schedule and take naps throughout the whole day so he doesn't pass out. Well, yeah, and that was the one thing that actually kind of bothered me about uh, his approach to that because if you look at him in X Men and you look at him in Logan, he he gets progressively leaner and more ripped throughout all the films when he should be that way in X Men, but he's not. Yeah, but back then they weren't really that. That wasn't the, they didn't have trainers to sculpt bodies to the level that they have since the last. Eight oh, or so I disagree years, with that. That's really when they started. They never shredded. There were people that were bodybuilders that happened to also become actors, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But like they didn't have trainers sculpting people to that level to look like a superhero until this Renaissance. This not Renaissance until this boom of superhero Wrong. movies. And I will. Okay, go on. Then, then. Okay, so um, Christopher Reeve, when he was cast yes. as Superman, Warner Brothers originally yes. didn't want him because he was too thin for the part. Uh-huh. And he assured them yes. that he would put on the muscle mass. And so he hired David mm-hmm. Prowse, who, by the way, was the actor who played Darth Vader. And uh-huh. he trained him for six months, and he added like 15, okay. 20 pounds of muscle. Yes, he did. But look at Christopher Reeve and put him in his spandex next to fucking... Chris Hemsworth or Henry Cavill or Hugh Jackman, the way that they train for movies now, and they are way more ripped. And it's he might have put on the muscle, but they put on this muscle and then they have this crazy cardio regimen and low uh, low weight, high rep regimen that mo- that removes all their body fat that you n- hadn't seen till recent films. Brian, just look at a picture of the two of them next to each other. The rigorous shit that people have to go through now to look that good on film. It's way different. Uh, look at any of Chris well, Hemsworth's in all fairness, interviews where he talks about In all fairness, Christopher Reeve never had to take off his shirt because his Superman was all wholesome. So Yeah, but you could still see, even though it, it, he's wearing spandex, Brian, if he was as cut and had veins popping out as a lot of these dudes do in movies these days, you would be able to even see it through the spandex. Mm, okay. All right. Well, all right. So what muscular looks like has changed so much. Look at George Reeve. Well, he was barrel George chested. Reeves. Yeah, he didn't Sorry. do anything. Yeah, it's out of shape, in shape guy from the 1950s. But to be fair, you just suck it in and pop, puff your chest. If you really up. think about it, Superman shouldn't necessarily have to be in shape. He's just Kryptonian. Like his powers are going to be the same whether he looks lean or not. Like he's still going to be yeah, able. Yeah, but have you? But but Brian, as as a really like an almost too straight of a guy, 
I would still mouth fuck Henry Cavill <laughs> when he has his shirt off and is on fire in Man of Steel because look at that shit. Okay. All right. So back to Logan. Okay. Would you want your Superman to be a little puffy or do you want your Superman to look like he just ate a train? <laughs> Took it apart piece by piece and ate a train. Well, I would want the one Jamie. who looked like he just ate a train. That was a shout out to Mr. Show. Okay. I would like the one who just looked like he ate a train. Hence my argument for George Reeves. Yeah, he looked like he ate, uh, like, the booze car and the pill car, and then he ended up dead. Was it too real? Is it too soon? No, it's not too soon, and I think we all now agree that he was actually murdered, so. Um, well, no, it's still up in the air, Brian. Hollywood land proved nothing. All right. Whatever. Um, so, okay. So, going back to Back Logan. to Logan. So, spoiler alert, everybody. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear about what happens in Logan, we just got to address it. He fucking dies. Yeah. That's why I say when you're with this character for 17 years and then you have to see him die and you have to see his progeny bury him and all she knows how to – the only way that she knows how to eulogize him is to copy a speech from the Western movie Shane, which was so apropos and made me cry. I cried like for the whole end of that movie and halfway into the credits. Yeah, totally. Well, so here's the thing. So, yeah, and you think – if you think about her, you know, X-23 – the character was raised in a lab, essentially, right? She was grown. Mm-hmm. She never really yep. had interaction with the outside world. So nope. the Shane movie, her attaching to that early on, I thought was really fascinating. Um, and, you know, for me personally, like when I was watching the movie, I kept it together except for two scenes. When, I said, sorry, spoilers, there's an X-24, like we said last time, who fucking impales Xavier with his claws Mm-hmm. Um, and when she calls him daddy, like when she calls him daddy, uh, I lost my shit. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> um, but by the way, like I, I loved, I loved the subtlety of like how they created the future. Like the fact that apparently robots are now driving trucks uh, in the year. Not really robots. The trucks kind of just drive themselves. Any kind of freight is all driven by itself and apparently changes lanes at will. And doesn't give a shit about anything safety because it clearly moves into the lane with right. them and creates that whole fucking kerfuffle. Right, right, right. But I also thought what was really yeah. interesting is that it's a – like Logan kind of took – he chose to die. And here's what I mean by that. Yeah. He had the opportunity to figure out what was killing him, what was, what was preventing him from – He said he knew what it was and it was the adamantium. But it wasn't just that. It was the the villain revealed that there was certain engineering that they had done that had prevented mutants from, uh, from what's the word? Um, from being no, no, no. That he create he put things in food and beauty products and things like that. Very similar to the Joker in 1989's Batman, where you combinations of house like things that you use makeup and 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 hygiene products would you know. Smilex gas the fuck out of you and you die with a giant shit-eating grin on your face. They said what they did is they suppressed the mutant gene in people so that kids didn't that they didn't have kids that were mutants, but current mutants weren't affected. By okay. It. So it was just the adamantium that was slowly poisoning him. It was a combination of adamantium and the guy was chugging like a bottle of whiskey every 5 hours in the movie. So I'm imagining a combination of booze and a uh I mean, think about it, adamantium, it's like that shit's got to be – you can only heal so fast so long. I bet you that shit's been eating him up from inside forever, and it's just like his body's slowing down. Well, it, yeah, there's that. And I also just think that 
we what I really wish we had seen is apparently James Mangold in the script originally had a scene that flashed back to they called the, the Westchester incident. Exactly. The Westchester incident, which you only hear about briefly. You have to be, be a fan to pick it up when they're listening to the radio because he says in an incident that killed six of the at, and it cuts off at at, and you know they're going to say X-Men. Right. Because essentially, you know, they say that because of the seizures that Professor X has, we didn't talk about that yet, he has seizures been because of his telepathy that actually can kill people from miles around. Right, and we also have reason to believe that that's why Magneto was not in the movie either, um, is that he, he was got, one of the he, people who was a casualty as well. He His head exploded. Yeah, I guess he wasn't wearing the helmet <laughs> in that moment. What did you think about What did you think about the allegory to Scientology throughout the whole movie? What do you movie? mean the allegory to Scientology? Well, first I thought it was something about immigration, but then I realized there's that tenet of Scientology that says all Mexicans were created in a lab, to be a cheap workforce. And so I figured that was the allegory was that they were in Mexico making mutants to be cheap army because that's what Scientology says. I can't, you were saying it, you were saying this with such a straight face right now that like, I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell if you were joking. Uh, Anything I can do to to besmirch Scientology, as long as people think that that's actual Scientology, I, won I don't think there's a single Scientologist in this world who listens to this podcast. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Nope. That's very true. And if they are, they will be writing in after this episode. Um, yeah. yeah. No, they'll send they'll send a camera crew to live next door to me and torture me <laughs> for the next 20 years like they do the rest of the people that leave the fucking church. Oh, well, whatever. Okay. So, okay. Um, what I thought was also fascinating is that this is the first time that you ever saw the X-Men comics recognized in the movie so it that made me very curious is like was this breaking the fourth wall was it that they had become so popular that that they created their own that somebody created an x-men series based off of real life and then they exaggerated the stories and i thought that was really really interesting especially when you find out that eden which was alluded to in the comic book actually existed it just wasn't the cool looking place that it was no it didn't brian that's james mangold's been clear about that (laughs) It didn't. It's not that it existed. It's that the the X Men were so prolific that they inspired this art, which was the comic books that they sold because they were their stories were so harrowing. Let's turn it into something like a comic book for kids. Then, because of the comic book, the kids believed in it so hard that they created their own Eden. It's art imitating life, imitating art. That's fine, and it's still a great metaphor. I mean, it's still really cool that like. I just want to be clear that the shit didn't exist. The kids created that No, 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 that no. Shit. And no. Don't get me wrong. That, that's what I meant to say. I, I Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, was, okay. Well, it was very well, clear because it. it's not like they're going to – they built that watchtower. No, they found it and they just, you know, inhabited it basically. So, no, of course, no. I get that. Um, but what I mean to say is that I just thought it was a really cool example of almost in a way of like Logan restoring his faith in, in what the X-Men stood for. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was a very subtle way of, of showing that. And I loved the kids. The kids were great in this movie. They were the kids were amazing in the movie. And there was so much fucked up material, like I said in the last episode, that was dealt with that you don't see. It's like you've got X twenty three's cutting herself because you know of trauma because of she's locked up and just being tested on and being this weapon. You've got the kid that commits suicide. You've got there's so much heavy material that even though it's on such an elevated level because it's a superhero movie and it's post-apocalyptic, but that applies to problems that people have to this day. Sure. 
I just, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very pleased to see that in a way it was its way of really truly like saying goodbye to all of the previous X-Men characters because at this point on, we can pretty much say for certain that there is no way any of the original X-Men characters are going to come back. That any X-Men movies going forward will be the McAvoy Fastbender version, basically. Yeah. Whether it's McAvoy or Fastbender, or Jennifer Lawrence for that matter, it's just going to yep. be that iteration of the X-Men universe. It's almost a way where they built in their own reboot without doing a reboot. Which is very interesting. Yeah, it was more like they did a they did a lengthier version of what they did with Generations for the movies for Star like a Trek. Passing where, the torch, yeah. No, that wasn't even really a passing of the torch because I mean, by now nah, I I hate that I did that because if you think about it, Generations is, you know, the Picard's crew is well established and they have to go find like the ghost of the projection of Captain. Kirk no, but it is on some weird planet. No, but it is with horses. It is absolutely a passing of the torch movie, and I think even Eric would agree with that because it's a passing of. I felt like Days of Future Past was the real passing of the torch. Well, movie. it could be, but what I'm trying to say is that you know, if we're making the full comparison here, Generations was the official turning point film where the Next Generation crew took over the film franchise, and that's true. And so, yes, while you introduce the two characters together in that movie, just like how First Contact was the first full, like, TNG-based film. Unfortunately, Apocalypse uh, is like the the torch has been officially passed. See, I don't mind Apocalypse. It's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It's nowhere near as good as First Class or, or Days of Future Past, but I still enjoyed watching it. All right. I still enjoyed all seeing Psylocke, for fuck's sake. I've been wanting to see Psylocke forever, and Apocalypse, I... Thought Homeboy did. I thought Oscar Isaac did a good job, but the costume was eh. But still, I enjoyed a lot of pieces of that movie. But as a whole, they could have done a lot. Better. Did I just hear recently that Olivia Munn was originally offered Black Widow and she turned it down because she thought that she wasn't going to have enough to do in. And then she gets in a movie where she talks twice, and that's exactly. It. I'm like, what happened with that? That's crazy. Um, not that I don't like Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. I'm just saying that. She's amazing. That would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting. Otherwise, um, yes. okay. So let's transition at this point because I need to talk to you about yep. Power Rangers. That's right. I didn't. Did we say all this about Power Rangers on this episode or the last failed recording? No, we didn't say shit about it last time. Okay. Cool. All right. Awesome. So I was just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> because I was. It's it's been a long so, day. Much, uh, much to my disappointment, so this is you, you did not see the movie. Defending Power Rangers, and you and I'm much to my disappointment. Yes. You did not see this movie. You're right, I didn't because you said it was decent. But I still thought you were gonna go and see it. So no, I was I was gonna go and see it, Brian. But it that was right during when I was getting the new job and I had a lot of stuff okay. going on, retooling my schedule. Okay, so okay, so let me say this. We'll open up and then I'll, then you ask me questions and I'll get into more detail. So okay. I really liked that they were trying to flesh out the story in a bit more of a fashion that the TV show didn't really get the opportunity to do. No, they set that show up pretty fast in the first Well, episode. and you have to because it's a 30-minute format. So you have to move the things along super, super quick. Um, Especially for a kid's show that was in – Right. You know. And I would have – this is the movie that I would have loved to have seen to explain all that stuff. Um, and the, what to me it missed was it missed the – uh, the fun, like it was. There was a couple moments where it was straight up fun, but it felt like I was watching The Dark Knight as in Power Rangers form. 
Oh, so wait, you're saying like if Zack Snyder got a hold of the Power Rangers and was like, let's make it dumb. Yeah, basically. Let's make it real. Yeah, basically. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and I think it was done that way because of Zack Snyder and because of Christopher Nolan's superhero movies. Um, but so let, let me just kind of put a couple spoilers out there for those who may not know. So the way this story is set up is the opening scene takes place on Earth millions and millions of years ago. And you see um, a bunch of Power Rangers, like the Power Rangers that we, we, we that we, we are familiar with, like writhing after a battle. You see a yellow ranger um, demorph and you find out, oh, it's not the Trini. It's just an alien who's wearing the yellow ranger outfit. They says uh, they say, I'm sorry, Zordon, to the red ranger. And then the alien just dies, right? And then Zordon is about to die when a green ranger, a female green ranger. How is Zordon? Where is Zordon? Is Zordon like I'll explain. a floating face I, on the screen at the time? Because he says or he says it to the ranger as if he's communicating through his communicator. I'll explain in just a second. And so, All right, so, so you're not setting this up great. I'm already not impressed. So the red ranger is about to die. And then you find out that right, right before that happens – an evil female Green Ranger comes out, and she calls the Red Ranger Zordon, and then and he says, and then he calls her Rita, and she's holding the gold staff. And you're like, holy shit! So Zordon, Rita was the Green Ranger. So Rita was the original Green Ranger, and Zordon was the original Red Ranger, and the and you know for sure it's him because at the last moment he demorphs and he basically wills the power coins to find worthy successors um, and then fast forward to you know millions of years later to when we are now in the present and then you on the beach in southern california <laughs> no so angel grove is not in Cal- it's like a portlandish town is what it looks like it looks what and what was the place that they all hung out in angel grove that, like it was like a coffee shop your ernie's that also happened to have like a dojo in it no the, the, the dojo was i think at the, at the angel grove community center or whatever um oh, okay. yeah i always thought that like they turned from their you, you know well, from like i always thought they were in I the mean, same place but then again yeah. it's, it's a blur it was the mid i mean i was on a lot of heroin it was, there was a lot when i was 12 <laughs> no you weren't okay so there's a lot of it was just, i mean the old tv show had a lot of bright colors it was essentially like four sets right there was a hallway yeah. one hallway mm-hmm. that was always used for for Angel, Gotta Angel love Grove that High. Hallway. There was Ernie's, there was the dojo if you were lucky, and then there was the command center. Like that was pretty much it. And then whatever they did That's for location it, yeah. shots for fighting. So um that they filmed like ten years before and showed right. in Japan ten years before. Yeah. So you fast forward to Jason doing some stupid shit and he ends up getting in a car crash, which they shoot from the perspective of a mounted GoPro. So it's kind of jarring because they never rack focus from him and they never He's always the one thing stationary, and everything looks like it's moving around him, which is very unsettling. So it's like hardcore Henry. Yeah, it's a little bit like how there is that one shot in Civil War where uh, Black Widow like totally flips that dude, and they mounted the, a GoPro on the guy who was getting flipped. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was like that shot. Yep. Um, it was kind of cool, but it also can be very jarring for people who may not have been used to that. So basically, to make a long story short, we go through this almost Karate Kid-like origin story of the kids finding the coins, getting powers, but... They're not able to morph yet because the morphing has to come from within them. That sounds so dumb. So for like, <laughs> so for like two thirds of the movie, they don't morph. They can't morph. 
for two thirds, like two thirds of the movie, and then Rita fucking kills Billy, and they bring Billy's. Wait, what? They kill one of the Rangers? So yeah, so Rita fucking kills Billy. The Rangers bring him back to the command center and beg Zoran to bring him back to life because basically what happens is once the, what Zoran is trying to do is he's actually using the kids. He's trying to get them to be able to morph so that once that he gets to the morphing grid. Once they can get access to the Morphin Grid, he can transport his consciousness back to existence. Wait, so it turns out that he's really the bad guy? Not necessarily, because he makes a moral decision to, instead of using the Morphin Grid to bring himself back to life, he uses the Morphin Grid to bring Billy back to life. That is so convoluted. So, once that happens, then they all morph, and then they have this ridiculous, like, astronaut Armageddon slow walking moment where they're walking in the in the suits, which I think was unnecessary. They finally access the Zords. And then for five seconds, you've got the old Power Rangers theme song when you see when you see the Zords running and it's all badass. But everything and then it cuts to like again, like dramatic, you know, Jahan Zimmer, Dark Knight ish score and epic battle and all that stuff. Yeah. Um so for me, thinking it back in retrospect, what what I never really got was this sense of I'm rooting for these rangers. I'm like, God, these guys are all, like, fucked up. And they're all, like, they're flawed, and that's fine. That makes them relatable. But I never really got this sense of I wanted to see them work together and fight together. And hmm. um, and when they did, I never got excited for them, you know, for them being that way. So. And you're a huge fan of the show. What I did think it was. You're talking to a dude who saw. Yeah. Who's who could say he's seen every Power Rangers movie in the yeah. theater? What I will say that it was interesting is that so Rita has been trying to build Goldar, right? Goldar is not the which I don't get. Goldar's supposed to be a semi-comic relief gorilla, right? With a poorly puppeted mouth, yeah. This in a gold suit. So this this one is more like a gold golem um, that is being built, um, and so she's literally scrounging for gold. She's murdering people with gold teeth and stealing their gold. She's going into liquor to uh, to uh, jewelry stores and stealing gold jewelry. And she finally has enough gold to make Goldar come to life. So she does that. And then she does. The one thing I thought was really funny, as a at least as a nod to the old TV show, is she eventually uses her powers and she yells, Make my creature grow! And she makes Goldar turn giant, which forces them to make the, the Megazord. And here's what fucking disappointed me. What was the coolest part of every Power Rangers episode? When the Zords when the came, came together, together and made the Megazord, right? Even though they showed the same clip of it coming together the exact same way, no matter where they were, right. with the same background, every time, right. it was still the best part of the so show. So this one, it's giant Goldar. All the five Zords are individually trying to hold him off, and Goldar's pushing them into a volcano, essentially. And you just hear the, hear Jason say, Hold together! Hold together! And then you see them get pushed, pushed back down. And then the next thing we see is the Megazord comes out of the of the volcano and pushes back. I'm like, you want it dramatic? We didn't even see them come together. You don't see them come together. And I'm just like, what the serious fuck? Like, Brian, you, I kind of wanted to see this movie before you said it was decent and said you were disappointed that I should have seen this movie. And I don't want to see this movie anymore. The only... <laughs> Carrot, they dangle at the very end, and it's a quick little mid-credit scene. Is that they introduce Tommy Oliver, and they don't—you never actually see him, but they introduce him as part of the detention Breakfast Club shit that they're trying to pull off. So, um, 
And unfortunately, I don't think this movie is going to get a sequel because it did not do well in the estates as we, as much as they oh. hope. And it they were really banking on it opening well in China, and the numbers are back from its China opening, and it just did not do well in China. So the sequel they were planning on building, where they introduced the Green Ranger and did all these cool stuff, they come on, Brian. They had a chance to do some cool stuff. They didn't do it. You can't bank on what they're going to do later. That'd be a terrible investment. If I was a studio exec and I was trying to explain that to potential investors, they would laugh at my totally. face. Totally, and that's the problem with it, is it they, you know, all the great superhero movies like Iron Man and, you know, the Dark, the Dark Knight. Knight, well, Batman Begins more specifically, is they all operate under the, the assumption that, you know what, yes, this could be a franchise, but that's not for sure. We need to make this movie like there's not going to be a second one. Yep. And if they had done that with Power Rangers, I think they would have pulled all the stops out. They would have put in all, put in all the beats that there needed to be. And it would have been a little bit... Who played Bulk and Skull? There was no Bulk and Skull. There was no Bulk and Skull? What the fuck is wrong with these There's people? There's no Bulk and Skull. There's no Squat and Babu. There's no <laughs> Ernie. We could have done without Squat What I will and say is that Bill Hader actually was pretty cool as Alpha. Because this Alpha... Is not just I A A I A A I Alpha. He is I A A I Zordon. Exactly. He's not that. He is the trainer droid, essentially, of them. So he's actually he's actually even though he's this dinky little robot, he's got he's super strong. Like he actually like he's there's a training sequence with the Power Rangers, and he's beating the crap out of them. Like it's actually really really funny to watch. Um. So. I still, it's everything you said makes me want. To not see the movie. Yeah, it's the more I think about it, the more I think I enjoyed it because I had to had a beer before I went and saw, saw. Just one beer? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't want to drink enough beers that Amazing Spider-Man 2 was amazing. There was enough nostalgia to say I enjoyed it, but the nostalgia yeah. was the only factor that brought me in. The the story to me just wasn't there. But it seems they didn't they didn't touch on the nostalgia enough. So Yeah. At least have somebody like Bulk and Skull that are it, all emo and they cut themselves and they listen to Dashboard Confessional. It was essentially Chronicle Breakfast Club Rangers. That's what it was. Chronicle Breakfast Club <laughs> that's Rangers? Exactly, that's essentially what it, what it was. <laughs> it was like Chronicle meets the Breakfast Club meets the Power Rangers. Yes, so Chronicle Breakfast Club. It's probably exactly what someone said in a, in a meeting. Now if, you, <laughs> now, if you had sold me Chronicle Breakfast Club Rangers, do you want to see that movie? I would say, I have two words for you. Fuck and yes, take all my money. <laughs> but that's what. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what I was told. Oh man, so that's not what. I was all right, check this out. The Shining meets Taxi Driver meets Big Bad Beetleborgs. <laughs> now hear me out. <laughs> Phasm or Flabber is talking to the yes. mirror, saying, "You talking to me? Yeah, you talking, talking to me?" To me? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yes, and. And he's also in a place that's haunted and sees a fictitious bartender that convinces him to kill. <laughs> like, you have to remember, I also said The Shining. Right. And at some point, yeah. one of the Beetleborgs comes down a hallway and he sees these two twin girls. <laughs> yeah. I remember not even realizing what homeboy's name was, the blue guy. I was like, who's blue Elvis J. Leno person? Right. Flabber. That's Flabber. Yeah. Flabber. Thank you. Which was, God, that show was annoying as fuck. Not as the masked rider was cool though. And I was sort of into VR troopers and we've touched on it once before. And this is the deepest cut of all. Please write in to us. If you ever saw 
tattooed teenaged alien fighters from Beverly Hills, the most low rent ripoff of all those style of oh Saban God, shows, so except it was bad. on USA so at bad. like six in the morning. <laughs> and like obvious, obvious stunt doubles for when they when they morph. And all they ever did was they just jumped behind the espresso bar at the cafe they hung out at, and then all of a sudden they were on an alien planet, and instead of it was like they became a giant muscular version of someone their race. Because it was like the little skinny black dude turned into the giant black dude who had a mask on so you couldn't tell. And they just very slowly fought, you know, Godzilla slash like King Kong style what's, suited people. What's crazy is, what was they called? They were called Galactic Sentinels, right? Galactic Sentinels. Galactic Sentinels. Right. And they had to invoke some constellation. I remember that. So it was it was Scorpio, Taurus, Centaur, and Apollo. Yeah. And Apollo. Yeah, I can't believe that you remember that much here's detail. it's even more messed up i remember th- <laughs> but i do remember that they were horse they were that they were astrology symbols but i also remember that there was one episode where there was the fifth galactic sentinel who was like long and strange and he was orion he was he invoked orion's yes that's right constellation wow it's all flashing back because we would watch that really really early in the morning because that's the only time <laughs> it's it was true on. you know what? i think it was on at like seven in the morning right and then there was that yeah, big we were, and instead of zordon it was like a big pile of goo that like reached out. It was out. just goo. That, like it was just look. It looked like a Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> who did a bunch of coke over the weekend, had a sinus infection, and then shot a snot rocket into a bird bath, and then that was their fucking guy. Right. It was it was really really weird. Yeah. Um. That being said, I actually would have paid money to see that made into a movie because yep. that would. <laughs> <laughs> Tattoo teenage <laughs> alien fighters from Beverly Hills the movie. Be- it's like Get Out. Meets train wreck. <laughs> meets tattoo teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills, and I know that sounds weird. One that's like a horror movie about race, and then another one about a chick who just can't stop drinking and fucking John Cena. But at the same time, and John Cena ends up being the and John Cena is the jilted boyfriend and the villain dick. at the same time. <laughs> yes. yes. Um. <laughs> so I yeah. Um. But the thing about the one thing you will say about tattoo teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Is it's all in the title. You know exactly what you're getting when you <laughs> when you watch it. Yes. They're all just awful rich kids, Beverly Hills. Yes. They have a tattoo that's apparently pretty important because that was their 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 constellation tattoo was what like made them powerful. Right. So let Teenage, they're teenagers. <laughs> I think we Alien, they go fight in space. I think we get it. Fighters See last bit. <laughs> and we already covered Beverly Hills. I kind of did a whole backwards. Like I did a whole fucking Yeah, we we got it. We got it. So, um yeah. let's You're let's well, that was yeah. Let's bring this home. It was like a Richard Linklater movie that I just said. <laughs> okay. All right. Start with the end, then go to the beginning, then show the middle, then show a little bit more of the beginning, then show the end. And then if he were to make this, he would actually hire real teenagers and then for 10 years straight he would shoot scenes of them growing into adults. Brian, if they're going to have real teenagers in the movie, real teenagers, you know who I want to direct it. There's only two directors that could do it. Who? Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, God. And, come on. I'm not going to say it. They, I'm not going to say it. I want you to no, say I'm it. No, I'm not going to say it. Say his name! I'm not going to say it. Say his fucking name! No, I'm not going to do it. Say no. it. No. Say it. Roman Say Polanski? It. Roman Polanski! <laughs> <laughs> All 
Stefanski. God damn it. Should direct it if there's teenagers, especially if they've got tattoos, because they're probably looser that give up the butthole. So I'm going to move this away from that topic, because um, that's <laughs> an Akbar. So, uh, no, that's 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 an Akbar. Yeah, that's an Akbar. <laughs> that's like what a grandfather says about our – instead of saying Akbar, he goes, that's an Akbar. <laughs> Do you listen to the nerds on film? Do you listen to that? They are always like, that's the Akbar. <laughs> yes, I'm a 70-year-old man trapped in a 30-year-old man's body. Um, Brian, we've been saying that for years. <laughs> so, okay, so let's wrap this up. Let's bring this home. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I say we save most of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and wait till the girls are here. Because we talked about Logan, but let's let's say if we can introduce the next episode, we can talk about Guardians, and we can talk about Vonda Woman. I think Wonder Woman deserves her own episode. I think we can go a little bit about this, and it'll be okay. It really will be fine. All right. You're right. Wonder Woman does deserve her own episode. So um, here's what I felt about Guardians of the Galaxy. What was – it was fun. It was definitely – it captured the same tone as the original – I don't like the tone of your voice, Brian. It's like you can hear that you're going to say something negative right after you say this positive No, 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 no. So, so here's the thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. You fuck. The audience agrees with me. They can hear it too in your no, voice. No, here's what I'm going to say. I, I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I I love that they, got, they were able to recapture the tone, uh, all the characters. Uh, Drax was hilarious in the movie. I loved his scenes with Mantis. The, they were... I'm picturing being with you physically. <laughs> right. And I love the callback because you are beautiful on the inside. On the inside. <laughs> um, and just so many great lines like, you look like Mary Poppins. Is he a cool guy? Yep. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> like there was lots That's of – That's one of the greatest things I've ever heard of, in my life. But what was – I think – to me, what was unfortunate, like, was that because we had already seen these characters, we knew what to expect. The like the yeah. greatness about the original Guardians of the Galaxy was that it we were like, the shit "What is this you. movie going to be like?" And these characters were ah. So- uh, the previews gave us a pretty good. The way that when John Ryle, John C. Riley's breaking them down, and they're all and <laughs> Quill's doing the rolling up the finger trick, and he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, I had no idea how this thing worked." You kind of got an idea, so you knew. I wouldn't say that it's that big of a. Thing. There was there was a couple of moments though in the first one that were amazing, like the prison break scene when he's trying to argue yeah. with the guy for his leg, and I love that you need my what, like it just and. Yes. Well, then there's another thing though. I can raise I can raise your scene from the first one with any scene from the That's second. That's fine. Go ahead. You said that. Okay. So I raise you. The scene, spoilers, I raise you the scene where fucking Yondu gets his arrow back and has first has the the prototype fin and is just ruining everybody on the ship and you slowly pan out up to like seeing how the arrow's moving and going through so many people. And the when he's walking and there's just bodies falling around him, like a music video. And you have to admit That's way better than the scene. And spoilers, Yondu doesn't make it, so when his What the fuck, Brian? I haven't seen the movie what? yet. I'm kidding. <laughs> you I saw it twice. twice. Like, get over that. Yes. But I do love the bit where his friend, his his old, you know, first mate is trying to learn how to use the arrow. And he, he buries <laughs> it and drags his neck. And you just see him scene. screaming. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Adolescent Groot just in his iPhone. Yeah. 
So the thing I thought was so there was Swiping that that was pretty on funny. Other trees he wants to fuck. What I thought was really interesting was that Drax has only one emotion at any time. It's either like he's laughing his ass off or he's screaming, and he it's always incredibly intense. Like he and he's super literal. He's super intense and yeah. literal. I thought that was great. Uh, I love the whole line of "I'm gonna make some weird shit" from uh, Star. Oh Lord. yeah, where he's like, "I'm gonna make an 800 foot tall Pac Man." Fucking Skeletor, Heather Locklear, I'm going to make And he makes an 800-foot-tall Pac-Man. He does when he... Ah, oh, you're ruining more of it. What? Okay, sorry. We don't want to ruin all of it for okay. everyone. If you haven't seen the movie, actually, fuck your so, face. Because you should have seen let's it Let's just talk... Okay, then let's wrap this up with talking about Kurt Russell as Ego. Because... Yep. He was pretty darn good. And it was interesting, because in the comic books, I don't know if they ever talked about the story of no ego the living and ego the living planet wasn't peter quill's father and no no his no he had another that's enough of a yeah that's enough of a fringe comic that they are taking all of the liberties that they want taking pieces of the cool parts and just mashing a lot of it together also yeah i don't think there was ever a precedent in the comic book where ego the living planet took on a human form and i thought it was interesting how they explained that from the beginning that i'm a planet but I was able to – I was a consciousness that formed a planet that then created a human being because I wanted to know what it was like to be human. Like that was – that has precedence in the comic books. It's kind of like what Thanos yeah. does. Thanos basically made himself living to see what it was like to be living. And he can die and then he can come back to life when he's bored of being dead. So it's like yeah. – And the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie gave us the most Thanos that we'd ever seen. And then – we are ignoring him again until apparently Infinity War because they didn't mention him. They mentioned Nebula mentions him, but you don't see him, and he doesn't play a part in this movie at all. Well, really. to be fair, you you don't want to because sp- they're in a different galaxy. Yeah, too. and you don't want to spoil it because, frankly, you got enough of what Thanos looks like to to get the sense of okay, he's a guy who you don't want to mess with, and. You don't want to. I, I just feel like you don't want to lay out too much of his cruelty right off the bat, especially since Thanos is essentially Marvel's version of Darkseid, and it's looking like DC is getting ready to do their own. That he's going to definitely be in Justice League. But who? Came, who what came first, the chicken or the Darkseid? Which 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 one? Which one of them actually became a character in the comics first? Was it Darkseid or Thanos? Um, I believe Darkseid was actually the f- first. Both, because I have a feel. Just knowing the way shit goes, I bet you Darkseid was around first, but didn't have the absolute power that he has in the comics so, today, and that Thanos did, and then they tooled Darkseid no. around. Jack Kirby invented both characters, and he invented. He yeah, did. He did. He invented both characters, and he essentially created Thanos to be the Marvel version of Darkseid. He wanted a he wanted a Darkseidish character in the Marvel universe, and thus created Thanos. Damn. You just got DC, y'all. Yeah. What? Now, someone might write in and say, actually, you have it backwards. And I say, you know what? It still proves my point. So. It still proves my point. Jack Kirby made one and then made the other one because he was having a slow day. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what do I do? Oh, fuck. All right. I got this picture of Darkseid. I'm going to draw a crown on him. Okay. He's got a crown now. All right, now put this glove on him. The glove's got, it's bedazzled. It's all bedazzled. And then he's got a spandex suit. It's blue. Throw some yellow trim. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The one thing I felt was a little weird is, what did you, you think of the computer effects in this one compared to the previous one? I thought the computer effects were awesome until this one moment where I was like, oh my God, did you just forget about this 30 seconds? And it's when they show Kurt Russell talking as like a big collection of rock. 
and it looked like Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. And I was like, come on, guys. You could have you could have made the rocks move better for his mouth. You know what? It was a combination of Olmec. It's Olmec, right? Yeah. From Legends of the yeah. Hidden Temple, the thing on the yeah. wall. And, 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 Flory from Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> hey, Mr. Bond, come stand over me. <laughs> All right. Um... But what was interesting is if you did you notice the subtlety of when they showed the orbiting around Ego's planet that the, his face kind of was part of the planet like on the surface there was parts that made up his yeah. face I thought that was very well yeah. well done. Um, <clears throat> but there was a couple bits where it did look like ah uh, they might have rushed it a little bit and they did spend like twenty million dollars less on this one. Yeah, they spent less money on this one, which I thought was backwards. Usually it's like all right, we'll give you ninety million to try out this thing that we're not sure how it's going to do, but they were confident in yeah. it and they spent like, what was it? I can't remember the exact numbers, but I could swear it was like $225 million right. and, and, on the last one. And this one was like 190 to right. 200. So, and that's the thing that I find fascinating is that there was less money spent on it. It felt like a smaller movie and it also felt more episodic. Like whereas guardians of the galaxy was a brilliant origin story and it just, it yep. managed to like really set these, these heroes in place I didn't feel like this one had a sense of raised stakes. It was more like this is one of their missions that they go on. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. which well there were yeah, they didn't they didn't highlight that. The stakes were raised because apparently that this guy planted his fucking doom seed all over the fucking galaxy or shit. They said the universe. So he was essentially turning everything into him. So it was on a huge scale, but I felt like they you're right. They didn't really highlight it enough to make it like it was that big of a deal. Right. And which to me also felt very comic book like. It's a, it's this next second act basically. And also extremely poor timing and they might have wanted to change it because if you remember, I'm watching this movie. I just I'm watching the movie and they show in a Dairy Queen in Missouri and a giant blue blob just engulfs a bunch of shit and the Dairy Queen and I'm like no sensitivity apparently for the horrible flooding going on in Missouri right fucking now because i had just seen it on the news and i looked around and i was like they didn't yeah this is all just a terrible coincidence <laughs> but a blue blood anybody that saw that in missouri who was like let's go see a movie since our home is gone yeah it's like oh a blue blob attacking missouri that's that's great okay so um i think that kind of puts a cap on it pretty nicely like unless there were thoughts that you had that you wanted to share that we haven't talked about I but okay. I thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of the movie. I do say I I honestly like it as much as I like the first one, but it's just because I love the character so much, and I wouldn't love the character so much and be so invested if it wasn't for the first one. And I actually watched it the other night uh, after I I saw it by myself. Well, not by myself. I I love how I say if I don't see a movie with my wife that I said I saw it by myself, but I saw it with like three friends. I saw it without Katie, and then of course I had to see it with her because she loves Guardians of the Galaxy too. And then we came home that night, and I wa- then we watched the first one, and I was like, God, it is, it is so much, it is better. But I enjoyed it. The soundtrack is just as awesome as the mm-hmm. first one. I've been listening to it a lot at the gym and in my car. De- definitely the last track, which has the disco-y version of the theme that also has David Hasselhoff's rap, right. where they refer to him as Zardu Hasselfrau the whole time. Right. Zardu Hasselfrau. His rap is amazing, and at the end, when he's like, in these times of hardship, just remember... We are Groot. Yeah. And you know what? It's We're in a time these days, in a, the crazy world that we live in, that we do have to remember that sometimes. We're all the fucking same. We are Groot. Yeah. I also, I, the funny thing is I loved the soundtrack so much that I love Cheap Trick's song Surrender. 
And I was yes. blasting that on my car after I got done with that movie because I'm like, really? Oh man, I've been blasting the fucking Fleetwood Mac song, "The Chain." Yeah, yeah because if you because Katie Katie loves Steve, anything Stevie Nicks has ever touched. Okay, right. So when she heard the song, she's like, "This is awesome." And then the the part about it is, if you really listen to the lyrics, the lyrics always have quite a bit to do with what's oh, going totally. on in the movie at that time, and it's so perfect. It's so fucking uh and when like especially when they play the song about a father and son spoiler 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 spoilers at the end when yondu dies and they he actually gets the the ravager funeral yeah the song they play about a father and son made me tear up yeah yeah, yeah. that was that yeah, was so that's the thing guardians of the galaxy one made me cry in the first five minutes before i even knew what the movie was i was crying i'm like why am i crying why is this mother dying in front of her child and then this one it made me wait to the end to yeah cry. i mean the guardians of the galaxy the first one had such a hell of a way of opening the movie they you were hooked the moment he runs out and then he gets abducted by aliens you're like whoa like, so how do you think they sold that one? <laughs> like, all right, imagine a movie that's like, imagine it's like a Judd Apatow movie with the dialogue, right? <laughs> but it's in space, and it starts off with the end of Terms of Endearment. See, see, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Breakfast Club with aliens, not the xenomorph aliens, just aliens in general, <laughs> and uh, a Western. Brian, come on, man. Come on, you're supposed to the thing after is supposed to top the thing before. Well, whatever. <laughs> I was trying to bring it I thought I thought what I me bringing up Breakfast Club again would make uh, you laugh and I It wouldn't be a Mobro show if I didn't try my hardest to kick your legs out. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's get into some <laughs> feedback, shall we? Listener feedback. Yeah. Okay. So, uh folks, we've gotten so much feedback since January. And we haven't read any of it. Um, yeah. So so the first one we're going to do came to us uh, on the 24th of January from Ellie. Ellie seems to be at least getting one every episode we do since we do them so infrequently now. <laughs> but actually, this is going back in time. So this is before she sent the awesome feedback where she just tore me a new asshole. It says, subject me again. Good day, you merry nerds. I am so sorry that this is twice in one day. Yes, you have a problem. Uh, but I was binging Avatar the Last But I was binging Avatar the Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, and it gave me an idea for a cartoon TV show's themed episode. I don't know if you've done one already since I haven't worked through all the NOF yet, but I thought it was worth a shot. Sorry for bothering you again. We don't really talk about TV that much unless the TV unless it's like a movie that was based on a TV show, we'll talk about the the origins through the TV show. Or like when we did Batman and Superman, we talked about the TV shows briefly, but well, I mean, if we want to talk about movies, there's no fucking way you'll ever hear us talk about The Last Airbender on this show unless we're doing another one of, what's another 10 worst movies ever made that we can think of? <clears throat> so, sorry, Ellie, but this is not the show for you for that. I apologize. Brian, your thoughts? Um, yeah, that movie just fell so flat for me that I, I just have nothing to say about it. Not either good. Well, not the movie. I mean, the fact that she wants us to talk about oh, the, the show, show, which is amazing, actually. Well, the show. Yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender. And the only reason they didn't call it that is because James Cameron shot his blue load way too early before they could make Avatar The Last Airbender. Then they had to just call it The Last Airbender. Right. Um, you know, the show would be fun to talk about, but at the same time, it's that's so television oriented that I feel like yeah we we gotta find a different that's so television yes. 
Which is the new saying instead of that's so Raven. Yeah. So, yeah, th- those are my thoughts on it. But thanks for the color commentary, Brian. It's enthralling. You go with the next one. <laughs> okay. So this message comes to us from Jeff, and this was from J- uh, March. The subject is Rogue One taking it up to 11. Nerds, catching up on some missed episodes and finally listen to Saving Private Rogue One. Great show, and I agree with 100% of your thoughts on it. The one thing that struck me about the movie that I don't think was mentioned on the show was how well it put the opening scene of A New Hope into perfect context. For the past 40 years, I've been wondering why Vader boarded a diplomatic vessel, basically going apeshit crazy. I mean, it was good that it gave us an immediate understanding that he was a bad guy, but when put into the context of how in control of himself he seemed to be in the rest of A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, the opening scene of A New Hope felt out of place and just ham-fisted. There was no real basis given for why he thinks the Death Star plans are on that ship in the first place and why he's going nuts to try to find them. So to me, the best thing about Rogue One is that it finally gives you that context. He didn't suspect those plans were there. He knew it. They came there directly out of another massive battle that he was just in the thick of, and he was in the middle of direct hot pursuit, not just catching up on some lone ship in the middle of space. I'm in hot pursuit! (laughs) We've all seen Smokey and the Bandit. None of our listeners have seen Smokey and the Bandit. (laughs) Not just catching up on some lone ship in the middle of space that he suspected was carrying stolen intel. So watching the opening scene of A New Hope, there is that he's at 11 mercilessly slaying basically because that moved. Now that makes perfect sense. Of course, this is just one example of how well Rogue One explained other things in A New Hope. And it really lends itself to why I think Rogue One may be the best Star Wars movie yet. It almost... Damn! Bold! Yeah. It really almost gives us two movies out of one. The first is Rogue One itself with its own great plot and the great characters that you can really care about completely independent from all the other Star Wars films. And also, a brand new viewpoint on which to watch A New Hope. I actually Yeah, that's true. I think it actually made a new hope a better movie. How much more can you hope for than that? And for that reason, it actually makes me more excited to see what they do with Han, the Han Solo movie than with episode 8. Best Jeff. Um, PS, your take on the new Ghostbusters movie last summer has bugged me for months. The movie was terrible. Call uh I'm not going to say those words on the air because I don't think he realizes that that's a racial slur. So, um let me conti- let me continue here. The actors are all great, and I'm all for reboots. But come on, it had to be it had the potential to be a ten, and the studio settled for a solid three. And I don't I think even that is being generous. Well, we thank you for your opinion, and we don't appreciate your veiled racism. So, uh... <laughs> or he might not even know. Like me, he might not even know that call a spade yeah. a spade is actually so, racist. Um, sorry, not sorry that we called you out on that. But no, we we do welcome you as. We do welcome you as a listener. We do want you to keep giving us feedback. But yeah, Just, but and also, yeah, we appreciate the feedback, but I fucking love the new Ghostbusters movie, <laughs> so you can fuck off. <laughs> um, but at least your opinion's been voiced. We gave you your voice, so, so there you go. So that's all of our nerds on film feedback, and uh, we're sorry it got a little racist, and we're sorry we disagree about the old Ghostbusters movie. The new Ghostbusters movie. Nobody disagrees about the old Ghostbusters movie. I apologize. If you like bitching about movies that are awesome uh, because you're dumb, 
like the last fucking guy, you can hit us up on nerdonomy.com or any of our social media outlets. If you go to nerdonomy.com, you can hit that talk to us button and send us an email. And while you're doing that, why don't you think about hitting that donate button? Give us a little money because we've got a serious, serious human trafficking problem on our hands. Now, you can also hit us up on social media. We have a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we apologize that we don't post quite enough to Instagram. But if you tag us on there, I'm sure that we'll see it. But you know what, Sean? The most important thing you can do... The most important thing you can do is take your pants off, take a picture of your googly bits, and send it to Sean Moe at nutotomy.com. But, Sean, you know what the most important thing you can do is you can spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. What? your friends and your family, your priest, um, your clergyman, whatever your choices of... of Yes, actually, when you listen to nerds on film, you should always go directly... To and the clergy afterwards and tell them that you're <laughs> exactly. sorry for laughing. That's what I was going to say. It must be immediately followed with an I'm sorry. I was la- – Father, it's been it's been forever since my last confession, and I laughed at the spade part before I knew about what the spade thing meant, and now I don't even want to yeah. play cards. Yes. Oh, that explains why that pilot in the Tuskegee experiments, they called him the ace of spades. God okay. damn it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so you know what? Thank you for all that. And, nerds, it is that time. So tune into our next exciting episode where we talk about Wonder Woman. Same nerd time. <laughs> Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. A man has to be what he is, Joey. Can't break the mold. It's no living with the killing. It's no going back for one. Right or wrong, it's a brand. And a brand sticks. There's no going back. (laughs) It's just, it's so long and so dark. I'm just like, what the... (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.